Welcome to this series of podcasts for FinTech CTO Club, a community where tech executives learn and share best leadership practices. Here, Vasil Soloschuk, CEO of Insart and the author of FinTech CTO Club, will discuss burning topics on the FinTech product development arena with the technical leaders in the industry. This is episode 14 of our podcast. Our guest today is Brad Burgess, CTO at Orion Advisor Services, a portfolio accounting service provider for advisors. My very first question, so could you please introduce yourself and uh, what's what's your current role and what's what's your background in FinTech? Okay. Well, my name is uh, my name is Brad Burgess. I am the Chief Technology Officer for Orion Advisor Services. Uh, my background in fintech is that I have been uh, uh, with Orion for about 23 years, and uh, I have uh, been here since before the the firm was actually started. So I've been here the whole the whole way throughout the course of the development of the Orion uh, portfolio management system. Okay. Got it. Got it. So as soon as you have so many years uh, with Orion and uh, probably the role of CTO evolves through this time. So what, I mean, could, could you tell me a little bit what, what uh, challenges are, the, I mean, like what challenges uh, are you facing right now and maybe some comparison with, uh, uh, you know, what you had at the beginning and maybe going forward. So how the, challenges and uh, things that you need to solve uh, uh, change through the time that you are with Orion. Okay. So uh, I suppose in the beginning, when we first started the company, the the challenge was to get enough functionality and features built out so that we could uh, offer a, a product to our customers or to our prospects. And to you know to be able to meet their needs uh, in a, a satisfactory way, so that they could run their businesses. Uh, over time, certainly the the that's always part of the challenge in uh, fintech and in my role especially is you have to be able to constantly put out new uh, new pieces to your product so that you can uh, uh, keep your customers and attract new customers. Uh, so you know certainly after you've gotten the business started, the the issue is usually going to be growth. So it's going to be how fast your company growing. Can you keep up with that growth and do so in a manner that is uh, that's sustainable and allows you to deliver a, a quality product. And then, uh, you know, certainly over the last 10 years or, you know, really longer than that, but uh, over the last 10 years, uh, cybersecurity has become much more of a factor in everybody's lives. And so now you not only have to be able to put out new technology and make sure it's fast and scalable, but you also have to make sure it's secure and, and well protected. Okay, got it, got it. So, uh, you know, I've thought that uh, there is a kind of defense uh, team or defense department uh, with Orion and uh, that you're mitigating the risk of cybersecurity and uh, like cyber attacks. So maybe if, if you could tell me a little bit more about what specific tools do you use, what are the best practices and that you can share and uh, about, the, about you know, securing the current system. 
So, I mean, obviously security is not uh, just a one tool type of thing and then done, you know. So, uh, there a lot of things have to be done and taken into consideration uh, if you're going to uh, implement a policy that uh, protects your data from uh, outside unauthorized access or even for inside unauthorized access. So, you're going to need uh, Tools like endpoint protection, you're going to want to have things like penetration tests, you're going to need good firewalls, you're going to want uh, solid gateway products, you're going to want certainly antivirus and anti-spyware types of tools. Uh, uh, even outside of that, you're going to want things like the ability to uh, uh, obfuscate your, uh, your external uh, IP address. You want to be able to hide yourself behind something uh, on, on the global internet. Uh, oh gosh, what else? There's a ton of things. Uh, internally, you need to be able to secure all of the information within your system. So whether that means you have uh, encrypted data, encrypted databases, or encrypted documents, you, know, you need to uh, protect everything internally as well. Uh, you know, cybersecurity is definitely a, uh, a large effort and, and you're never done. So the idea is that you know, no matter how well you are doing in your cybersecurity effort, uh, you can always either do more or do better uh, in that regard. So, and uh, I know, like, what are the major ma major threats that uh, you have experienced through the last year? What uh, I would say, you know, certainly you don't want uh, uh, bad actors to interrupt uh, the flow of your business from the outside, but the, the reality of most most breaches that occur. Uh, worldwide are not because of uh, somebody just coming in and breaking into your environment. Usually it's because either they have gained access uh, uh, through some sort of uh, uh, attack that identifies weak individuals within the organization or you have individuals within the organization that don't abide by the policies that are put in place. And so you need to protect yourself against your own employees even even when there's nothing malicious, you know, they, mm -hmm. people make mistakes and you need to protect yourself against that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most of the issues, you know, it's making sure that only people who need access to information can gain access to the information. Okay. Okay. So, uh, you know, another question I have is uh, regarding the integrations and, you know, like integrations is a, uh, uh, I mean, overall is a strategy for many fintech companies, and uh, I would like to, I mean, I would like to discuss a little bit what's what's the strategy for Orion uh, to do integrations with, uh, you know, with uh, other players in the ecosystems like with other custodians maybe, uh, with other with other tools in the wealth tech spaces, and certainly. What kind of APIs do you provide? What are the plans to provide, you know, maybe some additional capabilities? Um, sure. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you have to do if you're gonna be uh, presenting yourself as a firm that will integrate with other businesses and other vendors is uh, the people that you integrate with have to have the same consciousness of, of uh, cybersecurity. They have to be conscious of cybersecurity uh, as much as yourself. They have to be able to perform the same kinds of actions to protect themselves as you do to protect yourself. And so if I give somebody access to uh, uh, data that resides within my system, 
my, my, my perimeter, my security is only as good as the security of the other people who have access to the same data from outside of our business. So uh, the main thing is, is making sure that you only work and partner with firms that uh, are as, just as aware as you are of the importance of cyber, cyber security and have implemented policies and procedures to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it, got it. Um, so, you know, maybe for any technology company, uh, the uh, one one of the I mean, one of the success for any technology company is to build uh, an efficient engineering team. And uh, I have a couple of questions on that. Uh, so, could you tell me what's how do how do you structure the engineering team, and how do you select people for your engineering team? Um, maybe you can tell me what are the criteria of selecting the best talents for your for your team and then develop them. So it will be interesting to learn more about this. Sure. So obviously you want to pick high quality individuals to start with. Uh, it's always better to start with people who are highly intelligent and very capable and then bring you bring them into your environment and then train them in in the tools and techniques that you know, would let you optimize their capabilities for your firm. So, uh, uh, you know, we use a lot of different tools. Uh, Pluralsight's a fantastic one. We have constantly, uh, uh, we have constant training going on. We have uh, conferences that we can, we set up for people so they can attend, so they can learn more about, uh, you know, software development or information technology or uh, cybersecurity, things like that. So, uh, yeah, you want to start with great people. Uh, certainly you want to uh, take care of them in a way that makes it so they don't want to uh, uh, go somewhere else or, you know, uh, leave with you know business knowledge that's really important to you. Uh, you want to uh, make sure that the people you bring on have an awareness of cybersecurity because that's a factor in everything. Uh, you, the people you bring on board need to have a thorough understanding of why it's important to secure the data and you need to have uh, uh, policies and procedures on how you develop software that directly applies to uh, secure coding practices. Uh, you know, again, outside of that, uh, you know, you want to have people who are who enjoy building technology and developing software and and developing tools that that you know customers want to use, and and have a knack for being able to present that in a way that it makes it easier for uh, customers and prospects to to take advantage of. Mm -hmm. So, are there any specific trainings uh, that you can name? Uh, about the cybersecurity that you know all your team members need to accomplish. Sure. Well, sure. You know, like there's different kinds of uh, uh, OWASP training, or you can go. Our, our local university has a uh, cybersecurity uh, degree. Uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, uh, set of courses that allows them to get a degree in cybersecurity. There's. The, the same group also sponsors uh, degrees in various ways of doing software development. So uh, whether you take advantage of other vendors who are, have expertise in, in the areas that are important or whether you have the ability to present courses internally or whether you have the ability to uh, go online to find that information, the idea is that you need to constantly uh, train your people so that they always have the skills that you want. The worst thing you can do is not train your people and just for the best you always have to uh, take the next step which is to uh, 
make sure that the people who work for you have all the knowledge they need and all the capability they need. Okay, got it, got it. So, and what about the team structuring? I mean, like uh, whether you structure your team across different product areas, uh, whether you have squads or, you know, cross-functional teams or like whether you have like full stack developers or you prefer to have backend and frontend developers. I mean, like what, if you can share some interesting things about this. Well, I suppose if you uh, are in an environment that is uh, substantially uh, uh, agile, then you're going to have teams that are very focused on one part of, you know, one product or one part of the application. So they're going to have a deep knowledge of, of that particular part of the application, and it's going to be their responsibility to, to make that product as, as good and as solid as possible. Uh, you know, but there's other development methodologies out there that are still perfectly viable, you know. So uh, whether somebody is, a, you know, if we segment our employees by UI and UX, or if we break them up with API or database or middleware or some other, or if they're full stack, I, that part is substantially not important. You just want to get people who want to do development and enjoy it and then put them in a position where what they're doing is what they're the very best at and what they enjoy the most at the same time. So, you know, how you position those people, whether it's cross-functional teams or if it's uh, functional teams, any one of them has its benefits and detractions at given times. It just depends on what the goal of the business is at that time. If you have great uh, technology professionals who already have wide knowledge of your system, then they're already working in a cross-platform manner. So it may not matter so much that you have to have a team designed to do that. You uh, do want to make sure that you have lots of people trained to do the same tasks so that you do have the ability for people to uh, help each other out when they need a little help and uh, uh, to uh, whenever there's a specific focus on a certain product that, that you can put enough people to work on that product to, to meet the corporate goals. Okay, okay, got it, got it. So, um, another topic I would like to discuss. So, you know, as soon as the Orion is, uh, Orion software is in place for years, so probably, I mean, like, talking to any, co any company, any technology company, and working with our clients, we see that, you know, we have a certain level of technical depth uh, in any software that is successful as a business. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, like any company need to tackle the technical depth somehow. So and my question is, so what's your strategy regarding the technical depth? Because, you know, when you eliminate technical depth, you, 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 you need to spend some effort, but you don't, I mean, like, but you're not developing actual business features, but you still need to deliver business features. Uh, but, you know, the technical depth can prevent you to do this inefficient uh, way so what's what's your situation what's your uh you know strategy on uh tackling with the with the technical depth so uh tech debt is an interesting things uh, it's an interesting concept uh as you build out systems uh, some people perceive that over time if you don't do everything that you need for a particular project you'll uh, leave tasks behind that uh, are represented as technical debt uh, I, I look at it somewhat that way, but I also look at it as, you know, we're aware of what that thing is. And if it's not part of the main release, you know, we'll address it quickly thereafter. 
or if it's just not that important where there's no customers actually stating that they need those missing features, then it doesn't really represent technical debt, you know? So uh, you want to address technical debt. You don't want it to get out of control, but and you have to keep it in, in, in a manageable condition, but occasionally uh, it, it will mount up to the point where you either need to make the decision to knock out all of your technical debt, or you just need to do a, a total rewrite. And that's perfectly normal within any organization. Uh, you know, uh, periodically an organization will need to rewrite its technology to make it uh, viable again. And at that time, you know, you have to move away from your legacy products and replace it with, with new and better technology and better techniques to help develop that technology. So have you ever done the re-engineering and uh, re-architecting projects? Uh, I'm sorry, say it again, please. Yeah, so have you ever done the re-engineering project? I mean, like rewriting from scratch or maybe uh, doing the significant update of the current architecture, frameworks, technology? Absolutely. And yeah, we've, we've, actually, we've actually gone through that evolution a number of times here at Orion. Mm -hmm. uh, if yeah, I suppose if you look at the average, it's going to be maybe every five years or so that you need to substantially re-engineer your product. So as soon as this is, uh, I mean, the re-engineering uh, is a question that probably any CTO uh, has, and maybe you can share some uh, of the tips how to do this efficiently, and like how to do the rewrite and re-engineering. Uh, successfully well sure you know so you need to you always need to be cognizant of the features and the technology that you use uh, if you build your product on technology that is uh, that has a, a very long shelf life and is usable for a long period of time then you, then I suppose you buy yourself time before re-engineering efforts or when you re-engineer something, you may only need to re-engineer part of the application instead of the whole application or set of applications. Uh, the reality is, you know, at times you're going to have to throw away everything you have and move on. So what you do is you uh, you you put a sunset on the uh, the uh, product, and you are you basically commit that you're no longer going to do any development within the confines of the older product, and that all of your new development is going to go into a, uh, a new product and so you stand up your new product and that, and that's what gets used by your new customers or even by your older customers who want new features and uh, the trick would be is if you can make those new features and new technology available somehow from your older technology then you can just turn off bits and pieces of the old technology and just have it repointing at, at the new technology and so what that does is it makes it a little bit easier and more seamless and it lets you have more time to get your customers from an older product to a newer product. Okay, okay, got it. So uh, maybe as a as an example of the last uh, uh, engineering for Orion. So what was uh, what was the technology stack that you have chosen for the for the latest version, and what was the architecture, and what was the decision making process behind that? If you can tell us a little bit. Sure. Well, we have a, you know, a couple different tech stacks, but essentially that one of the more recent tech stacks that we've moved to was uh, uh, Angular uh, with uh, uh, Microsoft Web API uh, middleware piece and then uh, a Microsoft database as, as the back end. And the reason that we chose those is they are 
very solid, very capable products and they're incredibly reliable and they're able to be secured. So uh, the technology that we had in place prior to that would be either older Microsoft technologies primarily or uh, some other uh, you know, less used technologies that simply just did not stand the test of time very well. Uh, but essentially you want to get a very capable, very stable and secure uh, technology added to your stack so that you have to worry less about what that tech's problems are and just simply worry about building out your, uh, your infrastructure. Okay, okay, thank you. And uh, so another question maybe related to the technology stack is what, what about the CI CD pipeline? So do, what, how, how, how does it look like? So what, what advices can you do to build the, you know, to build the continuous integration, continuous delivery process? So continuous integration and continuous delivery really has less to do with the technology that you choose. It's more of a, yes. it's more of a, it's how you and your development team decide to act and how they are going to uh, 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 move out new functionality into your application. So again, it's more related to an agile methodology as opposed to something that's more waterfall but it's essentially building out small pieces and constantly pushing them into production after they've been well tested and, uh, and, and well reviewed. And uh, you can use pretty much any kind of technology for that as long as you abide by the, uh, the appropriate rules, principles, and methodology. Did I answer your question there or were you looking for something more? Yeah, so I mean like, uh, uh, you know, when, uh when, when we talk to, to companies, we see that uh, CI/CD pipeline is not, uh, you know, uh, we, we have just parts of the CI/CD pipeline implemented. Sure. And uh, for example, like uh, QA automation, for example. So uh, most of the companies, they don't cover the whole, the whole system with the, uh, with the test, but you, maybe majority of uh, the most uh, of, of tests are written and the, the more uh, uh, the features with more priority are covered with tests, but you can't cover maybe everything. Well, but some companies, they, they actually put effort to cover everything with tests. Uh, some, uh, some, they don't do this. So what's, uh, anyway, what's your strategy here? Whether you want to have the whole automated uh, CI CD pipeline or, or you can, you know, you can leave some things for future. So the goal would be to cover everything with different kinds of tests. So obviously whenever a developer does work, you know, you want them to build out unit tests of their own that let them do a, a basic level of automated testing so that with each release, you can have it run through code that are, that, you know, certainly addresses any known or possible bug that the developer is aware of. Uh, you certainly want to have a, a QA team in place to stand up a different uh, different types of tests. You want to have smoke tests. You want to have regression tests. You want to have the ability to do manual tests. You want to have a variety of different kinds of tests to cover all the scenarios possible. Uh, you're absolutely right. You can't write tests for everything, but the goal should certainly to be to try to get tests in place to cover everything. So, and you want them automated enough to the point where uh, you can do that without having to spend a lot of man hours to validate the your your the quality of your work. Mm 
Okay. Okay. So I mean, like you mentioned that the methodology, like, is is important, and you know, most of people say they're agile. Uh, but just interesting. Uh, but any any company they have maybe slightly different process. Uh, just interesting to know what's what, how how your agile process looks like. How how frequently you release, uh, um, and uh, you know how the planning is done. So it's it's uh, sure. very interesting to know. Right. So we we do a, a scrum based agile style of of delivery. Uh, sprints are about every three weeks. Uh, we will uh, uh, roll through sprints and promote them into the next environment in order to either do some level of, uh, uh, of testing, you know, QA testing or, or, or unit testing. Uh, we'll also create environments where we can stage information or even do pre-prod. So the idea is to, that we can continuously integrate into the next environment and at such time that we feel like we want to actually deploy to production, we can. So some companies are going to do a, a truly agile methodology where they're gonna push some new code to production every two or three weeks, just based on the lengths of their sprints. Uh, you know, but they also have to balance that against the needs of their customers to be, you know, customers don't like to be interrupted with constant frequent updates. So. Uh, each firm would have to decide for themselves what, what is a good fit as far as the frequency of, of updating their customers' technology. Okay, okay. So as a technology leader, uh, what are the most important things that you do? Because, you know, everybody, everybody in this position need to tackle with many different things, but what are the most important things that you need to focus on? Uh, the most important thing that I need to focus on is uh, making sure that I listen to my customers and their needs. I need to build out tools and technology that they can use and use in an efficient manner uh, and not necessarily get distracted by things that might be flashy or, or interesting, but not necessarily highly useful to our customers. The, ultimately, we are responsible to our customers to build tools and technology that they want. And to me, that's the most important thing. Uh, certainly, secondly, is doing a great job of, of developing a clean, solid, stable project uh, product and, and making sure that's what I deliver to my customers and be able to do it in a timely manner. Uh, outside of that, make sure that it's, like I said, it's solid and secure. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, uh, but do, do you use any kind of, you know, time management techniques to plan your 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 uh daily uh, daily work so my own personal daily work or yeah, for my teams yeah i mean i mean personally so for oh my gosh yeah so i i, I have a variety of tools you know certainly mm -hmm. your your calendar is your most important tool and uh what you do is you make sure that you set aside time each day for the things that you have to do that are the most important and then you can fill in the rest of your day with things that are uh, not as important, you know, and so, uh, uh, you know, for me, I, I meet with my teams every day. I go to, a, you know, a number of different standups. I want to make sure that the teams are on track and doing the things they need to do. I don't need to attend all of those events, but occasionally I do want to attend them for each team just to make sure that I have an understanding of what my team is doing and what is the best way that I can serve them and help them achieve their goals and help them do a great job. 
Okay, okay. And how do you align what you do, you know, on the daily basis with the strategy of the company? Because, you know, sometimes, sometimes you, you, sp I mean, you can spend too much time uh, on reacting on things and, uh, you know, doing some, some routine tasks and talking to people, but yeah, solving some problems. But how do you make sure that you're achieving, you know, that you're working uh, in correlation with the whole strategy of the company on the daily basis? Right. So, uh, I'm as a member of the executive team, I'm I'm well in tune with the goals of uh, of our executive team and, and what we need to do to move our company forward. Uh, you know, we meet extremely regularly, more than once a week, so that we can make sure that we're holding each other accountable and we're all on the same page as far as what each of us needs to do to make sure the company is successful. Uh, my leg of the business is to make sure that the technology uh, meets the needs of our company. And uh, so that, that's the best way for me to keep in track with what the company wants, as well as the fact that I meet with all of my largest customers as often as I can. Generally, that's going to be once a week. And I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen in on calls and, and meetings that they have with us to make sure that we're doing the things that they need for us to uh, make sure that they're happy and, and, and performing the tasks that they need to be able to perform. So, uh, and then lastly, of course, I have to spend time with my development team and my product team to make sure that they're on the same page with me and the, the rest of the uh, people involved in our business as well, whether it's the executive team or our customers. Okay. We, we have a, you know, a substantial product team in place. Uh, the products team's main responsibility is to make sure that the development team has all the information that they need. The product team meets with the customers regularly uh, in the same way that I'm going to be accountable to my, the, the, the fellow members of our executive team. The product team is going to report into the executive team on a regular basis as well. So we have a lot of support around our development effort. So as for the product, uh, as for the product team, so what the current approach uh, in the product management, you know, because as soon as you have many clients and uh, uh, probably you gather feedbacks from them, but you know, how do you prioritize things? How do you understand what should be delivered next? Uh, what, sh what, what features should be uh, developed next? Well, the best way for us to decide that is what does the company need to build in order for the company to move forward? Uh, as decided by the executive team, you know, so that's certainly incredibly important. Uh, then those are going to get a high priority. Uh, our customers are going to communicate their needs to us. And so what we're going to do is the, the, the requests that come in from our customer, customers that have the most value for the most customers are going to be the things that we're going to look at first. So if we have some piece of technology that one firm asks us for that half of the firms on our book of business are interested in, then that's going to get a lot of attention and we're going to probably prioritize that uh, very high. Whereas if we, you know, get some requests where perhaps the only person who wants is requesting a change is the actual person asking, it's not going to have as much value to the rest of our customer base as would the, uh, uh, as would a request that hits a lot of our customers. So can there be any kind of feature, maybe some example, when clients, customers, they're not requesting or they have not requested specifically this kind of feature, uh, but you still think that this will be a very valuable feature for them. So 
did you have that kind of uh, situation? And if you if you can tell me some some examples. Sure. So, a lot of times the product teams will identify something that they perceive as a need, even though they haven't had anybody specifically request it. So a lot of times they would present uh, uh, a case to do some work to, to develop for whatever that feature might be. Uh, a lot of times it will come from our sales team or our executive team thinking, hey, uh, this is the direction that we need to take in order to support the growth of the business. So let's take a look at this piece of technology and, and build it out and then see who comes along and wants to use it. Okay, got it. Um, so uh, another topic is uh, I, I would like to discuss is regarding the knowledge sharing and uh, uh, learning process. Uh, so can can you tell me what what have you found the most uh, efficient way for you uh, to learn as a technology leader? Maybe you can uh, give us a couple of advices how how it is, what, what the best way to learn as a technology leader of the company? Oh gosh, so the best way for me to learn as a technology leader is to uh, uh, either go and sit with my technology team and just learn all the things that they use on a daily basis and make sure I'm up to speed. Uh, a lot of them have great ideas on new technology and new ways to do things. So sitting with them is, is easily the best way to go find out new things. But even outside of that, you know, look at the firms around you in your industry or even outside of your industry and what are they doing and what are they doing that's new that might have value to to your own company or you know to, to your own business that that might be things that you could capitalize on so you gotta just pay attention to everything around you and all the technology used for all kinds of different products and see uh which of those uh things might be useful to you I mean, like technically, is it more like attending conferences or just talking to people or watching any kind of webinars or? Oh, sure, or you know, it's articles? great. It's great going to conferences. You know, it's great talking to people in who, uh, but that tends to be within your own industry a lot of times. And so it's great talking to other development teams who uh, uh, are in the same industry because, you know, you give each other great ideas and you work together. Uh, you know, a lot of the, uh, things that we do in our industry is very heavy integration related and so that's the opportunity for you to, uh, to to work with people from other firms that do the same thing that you do and uh, learn from each other okay cool so what do you think about the you know uh, behavior analytics because I hear from many people right now that this is an emerging topic as soon as uh, you also sit on the piles of data about users. Um, mm -hmm. So is it is it a part of your strategy in uh, Orion uh, to develop any kind of features regarding the behavior analytics or not? What do you think? Uh, it, it, yes, it is. Uh, you know, there's some technology out there, like, you know, some machine learning, behavioral analytics. Uh, all these are, are tools that you can use to uh, help you analyze data that give you a, a more true sense of what is going on in relation to your business. So, you know, behavioral analytics, let's say as it applies to users on the Orion system will tell us how are our customers using our system, exactly what features and functions they're using and in what maybe sequence of events that they are using our technology. So if they always do step A, then step B and then step C, sometimes that's really useful to know because 
maybe at some point you can combine step A then step B and step C into one piece and it saves, it saves the customer time and effort, you know, so uh, uh, and behavior analytics certainly doesn't, isn't restricted to just on how users use your system. It could be on uh, how information flows into your system. So you have to do analysis with the data itself as well as with uh, you know, uh, usage type of data. And then sometimes you can combine that information together. Uh, you can also combine that with maybe uh, uh, market data or with overall customer data use and you can see patterns in it. And so that lets you do a better job of making your product better to meet your customer's needs more appropriately. Okay, okay, got it. So maybe the last question I have. So uh, what do you think uh, uh, motivates you in, uh, in the role of CTO the most? What the most exciting thing? And also, what, what do you think is the most boring thing for you as a CTO? Well, my job is very early boring. It's always got something interesting that's going on. I love what I do. Uh, the thing that keeps me motivated, I think, is the, the rate of change. Uh, I'm not the kind of person that likes to have things set and stable and the same all the time. And, you know, I like to, I like to see things change and improve. And I like to see technology advance all the time. And so uh, in, in, my, in my job, it's fantastic because I get to actually contribute to that and, and make sure that our company is constantly moving forward and trying to do better.